that really is our key piece of advice is don't focus on ESG as a good or bad thing. Focus it on, on your strategy on these areas and get in front of it and get your story out there. Welcome to Rise and Stride, where we empower you to take your next step in an ever-changing business landscape. Here's your host, Denise LaDuke Fremming, President and CEO of the California Society of CPAs. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rise and Stride. With me today is Todd Ron, Senior Managing Director at FTI Consulting, a global consulting firm that brings together distinct capabilities and experts to serve as a trusted advisor to clients when facing their greatest opportunities and challenges. Todd has more than 20 years of audit, accounting, and advisory experience, including the application of accounting and auditing standards, internal reporting, and the structure and strategy of the financial organization. Prior to joining FTI Consulting, Todd was a partner at Deloitte leading consulting, accounting, and auditing relationships with companies ranging from startups to large multinational enterprises. So thank you for joining us today, Todd. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Me too, Denise. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. So maybe we can just kick off with you telling us a bit about FTI and some of the um, opportunities, some of the focus areas that you have within your organization. Yeah, sure. Happy to. And, uh, you know, again, just really appreciate the time. FTI Consulting is a public company. Um, we have roughly about five to 6,000 people at this point. Um, we're very, what I would say, nimble and strategic uh, organization where uh, we will, as you mentioned in your lead-in, which was perfect, uh, focus on some of the greatest challenges that companies will face, which certainly in today's environment, there's been no no lack of things for us to focus on. Uh, you know, I, um, as you know, and as mentioned, come from really primarily an audit background. I was a long-serving audit partner at Deloitte and have been leveraging that experience in assisting FTI's clients for a little over four years. Um, what that typically means is two primary areas. One, which is providing accounting advisory um, you know, work. I would say certainly the soup du jour of uh, the past couple of years during the pandemic was IPO, SPAC readiness, that, that type of thing. But we do all sorts of angles on financial reporting, organizational readiness. And um, I'm happy to tell you that we're starting to see some really early signs of that starting to pick up again later in 2023, which I'm happy to talk about later if we have a minute or two. And then the second piece is ESG. Um, we all know that's being discussed very heavily. We're all expecting at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later, a rule from the SEC. Um, companies are certainly gearing up for that. I would say there's a lot of uneasiness, but I co-lead our financial reporting and compliance work related to ESG, um, and that translates to data and controls and readiness. Um, I actually, way back before, frankly, a lot of people were paying attention to ESG, um, issued a test um, reports on um, sustainability reporting when I was at, at Deloitte. We don't do that at FTI, but we do the readiness side. And so I'm, again, applying that audit background and companies do need that these days. Audits are so complex that they're often looking for the the auditor whisperer, if you will. So if you want to think of one way to kind of where my biggest value is, is that auditor whisperer to to um, to our clients. I like that. I had to write it down. Auditor whisperer. That's that's great. Maybe we can dig into the ESG because I know we've been talking about that a lot. Just the application of it, and um, you know, every organization's in a different place. But maybe you can just give us some. Um, 
of your perspective on why organizations should care and what's kind of coming down the, the pipeline? Yeah, sure. I mean, I will start a little bit chronologically. Uh, I moved out to San Francisco about 10 years ago, and the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, which has now been folded into the larger organization set in the alphabet soup, if you will. Um, but I worked with the SASB in standards development. This was, you know, over, well, I was, you know, eight maybe or so years ago. Um, but more relevant to your question, you know, it was quite quiet. Uh, in fact, there was a lot of doubt, not the current doubt that we have, which I'll touch on in a minute, into whether ESG was really a relevant set of metrics, um, you know, for companies and what I'll refer to as non-financial reporting. And then over the past few years, due to a, a confluence of factors, which I'm very happy to see because I do have a passion, you know, for the value of ESG and the disclosure and what that drives in the marketplace um, is that it all of a sudden exploded. And it's been driven by um, funds that are focused on investment uh, related to maybe it's an environmental factor. Um, it's important to remember that ESG is equally and very much importantly inclusive of social issues. We all know uh, how important those are in today's environment. And then governance. Um, you know, there's been some failures, frankly, uh, related to governance, both with public and private companies. And so while it's an incredibly broad topic that it's almost hard to get your hands around, ESG, even though it can even be a bad word in today's political environment, in my view, is really just an inclusive way of saying, how can companies best tell their story, their strategy, and get that out into the marketplace? And so, um, you know, with accountants, we have been doing that for decades. And I see us as being the tip of the spear on this conversation. Uh, there certainly are many players and actors in the ESG space, um, but we can provide a lot of value to our clients in the sense that either whether whether whatever role we're in, whether in advisory capacity or audit capacity, to help them guide through this transition of just talking about the 90-day cadence that, frankly, a lot of management teams I've talked to are just tired of it, and getting into a more thoughtful, short, medium, and long-term conversation about how their company is making a difference, how it aligns with its stakeholders, which can be anybody from investors to employees, um, to vendors, to any any collection of folks, and tell that story and get in front of it. And that really is our key piece of advice, is don't focus on ESG as a good or bad thing. Focus it on, on your strategy on these areas and get in front of it and get your story out there. That's great advice because I know when people think of ESG, I mean, it used to be just the environment, right? And now the social and governance piece. But when they think of it, it's so broad that it makes them back away right away. And you have good advice on how they can lean in, I think, more easily and naturally than what has been the case. Well, I, I will say what we're seeing, uh, unfortunately, is as a reaction to some of the latest dialogue around ESG is there's this concept of green hushing where companies are actually um, not greenwashing, they're just not saying anything, um, even though they've got a great story to tell because they're nervous about either criticism um, or or uh, some negative outcome of putting a message out there. And I, I, I want to do our best, again, as a profession to nip that in the bud a little bit. I mean, obviously, there's a requirement to comply. It's not just in the U.S. We all know that Europe is is well down the path of requiring even additional disclosures beyond what's been done more recently. And those are having a direct impact on U.S. companies in particular when they have 
operations in Europe. Um, so there's the compliance aspect that folks have to comply with. But it's also about the fact that this is not going to go away. There continues to be a number of factors that are driving the need and thirst for better information. And so the more that companies can get focused on that, um, certainly consulting with their risk management groups, consulting with their finance departments and consulting with their their legal folks, getting their message out there in the right way. And that's why it's it's such a great space you know, for us and FTI, because um, we play in all of those arenas. And I think it's perfectly situated for um, CPAs, right, from the attest standpoint. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. I personally believe that in in many different ways. Um, you know, you 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 know just as well as I do, as I mentioned earlier, that there are a lot of um, different folks that get involved in this very broad world of ESG, which is great. I mean, I, you know, it's it's kind of cool to see the interest. Um, you know, FTI is no different than other firms that I talk to that. You just mentioned ESG, especially candidly from younger generations. You just get people just jumping in, even if they don't even know what to do. <laughs> you know, they, they, they love being part of the conversation and they have a firm belief that it's going to be transitional, as I do. Uh, to your point, though, with CPAs, what I always advocate for, and it's certainly I'm biased, it's no, no, no surprise there, but... Um, we're one of the best, if not the best run professions in the world. And, um, you know, even being in the US, in particular, in California, um, you know, I would pridefully say the best, you know, and, and when you have a profession that already has quality control standards, it already has, um, you know, the professional structure that we do, and then you couple that with the discipline and experience related to financial information and a long history of um, just top-notch performance, if you will, related to reporting and disclosure, it's such a natural fit that to me, it's it's almost beyond obvious. And so I always encourage CPAs, especially who are coming up in their career, to think more broadly about accounting, uh, stepping out of our PTSD of socks and, you know, all the minutia of controls and Excel spreadsheets and start thinking about this more broadly in the sense of strategy and disclosure and messaging and that, you know, the data will take care of itself. You know, we're all seeing AI and, and really incredibly impressive technologies that are going to frankly make our lives better and easier and simpler and less mundane and focus on the things that are more interesting and creative and and on message and accountants, I believe, play a very central role in that that ever accelerating and changing world. Agree. And our, our new branding that we're rolling out actually in, I think, August, will speak to that as well. Because I think as a CPA as well, I think there's so many opportunities out there. It's a door opener and the, the strategy part um, is key to really making a difference going forward. That's wonderful to hear. I'll look for that. So um, I will. I'm excited too. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Um, you know, besides the ESG, what other trends do you see out there? You know, for the you know auditing and accounting profession. Well, you know, I it's a great question. Um, I'm just going to put on my my forecaster hat a little bit. I mean, I'd say first and foremost, just to ground ourselves a bit in today's world. I mean, um, you know, the economy is is clunky, you know, at best, and so I would say in the short term. 
I think what's really important is to get back to our core values and our roots. And, you know, we all know what recently happened with Silicon Valley Bank. There continues to be a lot of uncertainty in the banking system. There has never been a time in my career, um, you know, with maybe one or two exceptions, for example, during the Great Recession um, and maybe one or two others, that there's just a real need for calm and, you know, thoughtful professionalism in the next year or two. Uh, meaning that's becoming ever more important in our culture, but, but just trying to stay focused on the business conversation is that, you know, the, the folks in the room that can bring that experience and, and discipline related to financial reporting and CPAs and how we can offer that, I think is really important. And so just to be as concise as possible about it, risk management focus um, and that discipline, I think, is really in the short term incredibly important because it just provides the calm that I think the markets need and the investment community needs to hear from you know one of its members. Um, but frankly, maybe a little more exciting and and interesting to me is the ability to leverage technology. And we've all been talking about this for decades. That's no surprise. I think what's really interesting though now is that. The development is accelerating at such a pace that while I don't expect tomorrow me to log in and have some software program do half of my job that I'm doing now, I would say that over the ten year next 10 years, that the way that technology will be used and directly involved in things as simple as writing memos to gathering data to doing research um, is going to have a profound shift in the profession, and that is going to be at all ages. And so, so I, it's important for firms and FTI is, is, is a leading voice in this to leverage that technology, um, you know, in its work and stay ahead of that. And obviously at a professional level and a personal level, it's important for, for professionals to realize that. And also to just be comfortable that's nothing but a good story. I think some people get a little nervous. Oh, my job's going to get replaced or all those things. I actually see exactly the opposite. I think that. You know, if you talk to any accountant and you ask them if they love working on a spreadsheet at 11 o'clock at night, you're going to get a very small number of them to say, oh, that's what I dream of when I wake up, you know, during at the during the beginning of the day. So there's a lot of ways that technology can simplify that and get that off our plate. And we can focus more on the intellectual part of what we were really brought here to do. Um, I'll be brief on the on the last thing, which is data. The amount of information that's out there today is um, is uh, unprecedented, and that is financial information. It's operational information. It comes into play, obviously, in the ESG conversation. Um, and I'm always a little surprised, even in more established companies, at how much of a challenge they're having at managing that data and using it in a way that is useful Um and to be a little more clear, using it in a way that is, I would say, value add. Um, and again, for accountants, the it's technology. It's 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 taking advantage of that data and helping clients organize it, report it, uh, and use it to better their performance. And so, what I'm trying to get at is, I think data capture, data integrity, certainly cyber, all these issues are going to continue to become more and more important and, and a big piece of our profession. I agree with all those. And I think the technology is um, some people are don't lean in enough. And so you, you have to, I think you have to, and you have to see it as an additive 
instead of as taking over what you're doing, as you said, because I, I do believe it's, I use chat GPT for different things. So do I. It's so, and, and I was talking to someone in public relations and she said, don't send me, like, don't have me do all the work. Use chat GPT to start and send me what you want me to do. And it'll take me half the time. So it is out there. And I was happy to hear that. I thought, okay, good. I don't have to spend, you know, $500 an hour on something. They can just put in there, you know, an additive to what, what needs to be done. And, and, and frankly, I hear you say that. And I, the first reaction I have is of sheer terror because, you know, we are, you know, the professional services are driven on an hourly basis, whether we want to admit it or not. It is very hard to pivot off the conversation with clients, not just FTI. I've seen this across the profession of, you know, dollars for hours. And um, the reality is that we, as exactly as you said, we have to think very differently about how our time adds value. And some of that will continue. I mean, the legal profession is in the same boat. That will continue for a long time. It's just that we can only get better at using technology. And I'll, I'll use like a live example. So, so not, not something I'm doing today, but I could see very soon in the horizon, as I mentioned earlier, writing memos and doing research. And you think about, you know, again, I mean, you have, if you have open software, you know, there's confidentiality issues. And, and of course, you know, chat GPT can't be used for any of that. Um, you know, client confidentiality, as we know, is a core principle. It's just that. You know, when we get to a place and, you know, we're, we're again, we're exploring some things on this ourselves, but we get to a place where we can use more of that AI in a confidential setting to do things like more uh, practical tasks, then the hours can go elsewhere and you can focus your time on something that really will drive a high amount of value and, and just candidly will support you know, the, the accounting profession going forward in only a growth way. And so I love, I love seeing that progression. Again, it's a little nerve wracking, you know, frankly, you know, it's, 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 you sort of see things just change, but, but, you know, I still remember the story of, um, it was a, a partner of my firm. This was a little bit before I'd come out of college, but but it was right when Excel was getting introduced, you know, and like, uh, you know, he was telling me the story about how he's sitting at his desk, you know, probably doing, I don't know what, but maybe he's on a computer or I actually used ledger paper when I first came out of college. But um, is that uh, one of his partners comes in the, and throws the Microsoft, uh, you know, Excel box, you know, down on his desk and says, this thing is going to change how we do work and we're in that moment i mean it's you know and maybe even a more dramatic moment um you know because excel is just one tool that ended up becoming you know a, a cornerstone of how we actually get stuff done and now we're in a position where there's multiple offerings there's multiple capabilities there's multiple ways to do all different aspects of our job and would only encourage cpas to you know take advantage of those it's hard to keep up with it all I, because there is just it so is. much out there. How how do you keep up with it? Well, we've got great people here. I mean, again, I, I would love to tell you that I'm doing all that personally, but we have we have a full technology segment, you know, in our in our business that is rapidly growing. Um, for that reason, we have a market leading data practice. Um, we have a market leading practice that's referred to as the office of the CFO, uh, which actually completely centers and focuses around this issue and things that might 
assist the CFO and his or her organization um, in software technology. Um, you know, we're actually pitching some work right now, you know, related to this where, you know, we will just keep our um, fingers on the pulse and have people fully dedicated to fingers on the pulse of what capabilities are out there. And then we also are regularly looking at proprietary, you know, development of software solutions. Um, part of what FTI also does, and I do personally, is we will lead um, investigations, or I also serve as an expert in um, certain settings. So I testified in an arbitration hearing um, uh, last last month. And, um, you know, that that work often requires technology in order to do data discovery or gathering. Um, and so we actually already have embedded in our culture a very heavy, you know, technology mindset because it can only make our our work more efficient and better. But to your point, we have to constantly be looking around the corner and over the horizon or whatever saying you want to use to say, okay, what's coming next? Uh, and that's where our technology professionals are instrumental in keeping us keeping us ahead of the game. Yeah, it's it's moving fast. So, you know, listening to you and your, your career path and where you went, how, how did you choose accounting or did it choose you? I guess that's a question. <laughs> well, I, Elissa, I, I appreciate that. I would almost love to ask you the same question. I, I will say, I have had a little bit of an unusual path. I think people outside of accounting would laugh and be like, Todd, like you're, you're a big nerd. It's not really that, that crazy. But, but I did when I came out of school. Well, let me back up. When I was in school, um, it just, and I, it sounds hokey to say, but I, I literally went to an accounting class and it just clicked immediately. I mean, I just felt very comfortable. I enjoy the fact that it's a language that's used with stakeholders in describing value, which is where my passion for ESG is also rooted. So I went through my accounting classes, felt very good about it being a good place where I could, um, again, make a difference and, and frankly, make a little bit of money. And so um, came out of school and uh, started with a local firm in Atlanta and then ultimately went to Deloitte, where I spent almost 20 years, but was very open from day one that I wanted to um, spend some time working with uh, what I'll call the global business environment. And what I mean by that is multinationals. Um, potentially kind of doing some work overseas and ultimately landed at Deloitte in a group that was focused on companies based overseas that were accessing U.S. capital markets, such as foreign private issuers, and spent about seven years in New York and London uh, doing that work. And and so all along that path, you know, more to your question, I was constantly looking at, okay, well, how do I leverage my skill set into the needs of the current community. And I still do that, you know, today. And so a couple of themes are just that, you know, do what you love and, you know, get involved in those. Um, and also be focused on what the need is, meaning like, you know, the market is constantly telling you what it needs and what your clients are constantly telling what you need. And so that was where my interest was. And there was a great intersection and overlap between what the market needed and what I enjoyed doing. And I ultimately came back to the US, was in our national office for a while at Deloitte and made partner. And then because I'd worked along the way a lot of technology companies, San Francisco is a natural fit. And I've been here for for about 10 years. And and um it's been a it's been a really great journey. And that's your connection with Christy Simon. It right? is, yeah, yeah, exactly. So Christy and I we're partners at uh, Deloitte, and she actually led a lot of our technology business development efforts, which she's still doing today. And so uh, we work very closely together and, and, and 
it's a little bit bittersweet when you leave a firm to go for another one. That would be a perfect example of uh, of that. And uh, and so um, I left a lot of friends there, but thankfully we stay very close in touch. And and um, Deloitte's just a fabulous firm. They're all, they're doing very well. Yeah, she does. She does great work too. Great leader. So, what would be your advice that you would give like early career CPAs, or what would you tell them they should just couple things? The number one piece of advice would be that whatever accounts they're doing today, they're not going to be doing in 10 years. And I, and I can't say that more clearly. I mean, I all my mentees, that's what I tell them is that, and for better or for worse, I mean, I think some may be a little nervous about change, but most of the folks I've talked to that are coming out of school are just really excited about it. A lot of the themes I've talked about before. So just realize that it's about skills and passion and development and willingness to change as opposed to any particular discipline. And I, I firmly believe that. I know it sounds a little almost too high level, um, but I do believe that's how just being a professional is developing is that you have to be a little bit of a utility player. And even companies themselves are more of a platform as opposed to a home. And I and again, that's there's part of me that, that makes me a little, you know, what was, you know, kind of a little like, you know, uh, thinking about the good old days, if you will, you know, but at the same time, it's really cool because you're, you're able to deliver more on a personal level, um, your value. The other piece I would say is just be aware of the fact that yes, technical accounting and debits and credits are incredibly important. And, and I'll bluntly say that because of so much work on controls, a lot of our professionals have gotten away from that technical accounting focus, and they know more about just process as opposed to what's driving the process. And so my point would be maybe two things is one is stay focused on technical research and being knowledgeable about those, because as much as automated or artificial intelligence or any other things are going to help us do that, the bottom line is, is when you're sitting in a boardroom or talking to a management member they need to know about what is driving the answer and what do they do about it. And, you know, the access to information will come. And so being really focused on that technical expertise is one. And then the second is just really have a good understanding of technology and data is just, you know, be keep that really close to their professional development, because it's going to be key, even though they might have somebody sitting next to them like I do that understands it way better than I do. I still have to have a good understanding of it because it's going to drive the solution, meaning, okay, once we have the data set together, you know, again, it could be general ledger, it could be operational data, it could be environmental, it, it, anything. It's You have to use that to make decisions quickly. Um, and often it can be not one answer is the right one. You have to pick, you know, amongst several answers and really help your client. Um, or if you are at the client, you know, to be clear, I r- realize that many of our members are are sitting at companies and and to switch on that angle, same thing. You're really you're really in the same place. You're sitting in a, a part of a management team and having to use your advisors like me to make decisions. It's the same advice: is be focused on the fact that you're going to have large data sets and technical knowledge that really need to help you do your work. And and as automated as things get, is that's going to be invaluable for a long time. It intersects with what you said before about risk management, right? Any decision you have make has risk, but you have to decide which is the best for you, the company, right? So it kind of all works together and having that ability to make decisions clearly and with all the data is is key. Yeah, and that's that's a great point. I mean, I you know, I you know that's part of the good that's come out of 
controls and focus is that is that we as accountants have gotten more exposure to enterprise risk management and how that can be done thoughtfully and can drive our um, career, you know, progression, but also, frankly, our value to um, to uh, again, if we're working at a company, our company, or if we're in the, as in a consultant or advisory space or audit space, our clients. Yeah, and it's not it's so important today. <laughs> so it's a it's a complex world. So complex. It is. So a last question for you is, you know, you've had held many leadership roles. Well, how would you define a leader? What are just a couple elements that you hold like true to yourself? It's such a great question. I would say um number one to me would be um empathy and understanding, you know, to answer it in qualities of a leader. So, you know, especially as one gets a little bit farther along in their career, you realize that as a leader, you're really just holding the spot for the next person. And I used to hear that when I was younger and just thought it was so hokey. And I was like, oh, come on, like, whatever, you know, you're, you're, you're in this trying to make a buck or or whatever. And that's true. There are some leaders that are like that, you know, there are, and, and they do a good job. They're very financially driven. I just can say without exception that the leaders that I work with, and I like to think of myself this way, that are the most successful are the ones that realize that, listen, I'm here because um, my people want me here and my colleagues want me here. My partners want me here. My management team or board wants me here, et cetera. Um, you know, but, but then that will come to an end and it's going to be a new role and a new role after that. And so it's important to use the platform and the business card to empathize and listen to the folks that are coming up in the profession that you work with and with your clients and, and help them, um, advance. And one of my mentors actually said to me, one time she goes, my job is to put myself out of a job. And, and I really, and I love that. And that's very true. And she lived that and still does, um, and is incredibly successful. So the other thing I would say just as a leader is you have to make decisions. I think, you know, oftentimes, especially today, we can be tortured and, and really hesitant because it just seems like almost there's never a right answer. Um, and you know, whether it's dealing with hiring somebody or, you know, taking on a new project or not taking on a new project, um, you know, that, um, that, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's just one of the things where you have to just jump in and say, listen, I think this is right. And, and, and candidly making the decisions more important than, than which way you go, um, so anyway, and I, I just will say, I just will say last thing is just ask advice. Um, you know, we're all really talented people, but but what amazes me and FTI is this has been one of my favorite things about working here is that there's always somebody smarter. There's always somebody that knows the topic better. And so ask advice, be vulnerable, listen to the people that are around you, you know, absorb that what they're trying to tell you. You had a lot of good nuggets there. So I hope our listeners really um listened intently because there was just, I think the listening and asking it, because a lot of times we don't ask. I, I know my younger self didn't ask enough. I thought, oh, someone doesn't want to, you know, give me that information or I'm, I'm embarrassed to ask or something, but it's true. Just, you have a voice to use, use it. Well, I have, I have a, I have a professional coach and one of the, my favorite things that he's told me that I always use is, um, is, uh, is, um, two ears and one mouth. And, uh, and there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. 
sometimes it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Especially with your kids. <laughs> His name is Tommy Breedlove, by the way, and he's fantastic. So uh, I would recommend him to anybody. It's good to know. Yeah. Well, we're getting about time and I just really appreciated you being available today and having a conversation with us. Like I said, there were so many good tidbits in here. I took notes. And so I like the audit whisperer that you said. That is, um, I'm going to use that with my son. He does IT audits. Oh, cool. Well, good. Well, I, I just want to say I, this has been a lot of fun. It's so great to be here with you guys. Um, the Cal CPA is a huge organization that is just having such an incredible impact in California. And just thank you for all the work that Cal CPA is doing. And thank you for all the work you do for the profession and your leadership. Really appreciate you. You bet. You're welcome. Rise and Stride is produced by the California Society of Certified Public Accountants. To learn more, visit calcpa.org.